and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. My name is John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan. And we're looking at Minute 59 that begins with the Nostromo continuing its journey through space and ends with Ash saying, when you get within a certain range, it will dot, dot, dot. And again, we are joined by Margaret Meyer and Katie Mello. How are we doing today? Good, thank you. Fine, thanks. Mitch, you mentioned in the last, at the end of the last minute, we get a nice minute break here. Once again, we start a new sequence right on a minute mark, and we move right into another shot of the Nostromo heading off into space. And it's a beautiful model. Such a nice model. Uh, Yes, with uh, more than 100 model kits were used. This was back in the day when people made models for hobbies, which I think people don't do quite as much they anymore. still do, but probably not as much. Not to the extent. But they cannibalized many different models, a lot of tanks. Helicopters. Um, helicopters. They call it, in, in the biz, they call it kit, kit bashing when you take uh, model kits and you make something else out of them. That sounds like a really fun job. Oh my gosh. Oh, it is. Such a good job. And I would say that those guys, the guys that do that, the model makers, tend to be really fun guys. To work with and they they're doing what they do because they love doing it so do they take a hundred different model kits or do they take one kit and then like make duplicate pieces of each piece or how does that work kind of a bit of both where i mean when we do it we do a bit of both i don't know i can't say for sure what they would do because i think they were a bit more accessible but where you would literally go into a store and you would buy all their model kits and you kind of open them up and throw them out on the ground and then interestingly uh, those model guys kind of look around and they see like, oh, the top of a milk carton and uh, excess packaging, like the stuff that comes with a- egg cartons and that sort of thing, stuff that you would normally throw away is actually, oh yeah, it's, it's again, it's texture mm-hmm. and that's the stuff they would use. But I'm a mold maker, so if there's something that they like, I would be happy then to make a mold of it and then you can reproduce a thousand of them. And, and use those over and over again, and which makes, again, more texture with, like, a repetitive texture is nice, too. Probably time-wise, it was easier for them to buy the kits. Absolutely. And take the parts that they wanted from, you know, buy a hundred of this particular tank, and then just pilfer the pieces that you wanted. It's cheaper, too. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, to make a mold and to make casts of it is actually more expensive than just buying a model kit. There must have been some really happy model toy store owners. Oh, heck Yeah. <laughs> I'd imagine. That's, uh, we, we were in Portland, and there was three hobby shops at one time, and boy, I think we kept those guys in business for a long time. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're not in business. I know they're not. That's sad. None of them? Gosh. Bridgetown Hobbies, are you still there? Still I don't there? know. I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like they're not. I feel like they've kind of ooh, gone the way of the Dodo, I'm sorry to say. Yeah. Back when we did the, the TV show, The PJs, I think that was when we were really everything you know there was no internet there was no amazon and everything was bought locally and i think those guys had a pretty couple pretty good years that's <laughs> true makes me sad <laughs> and once again the fact that it's a physical model just seems different than cgi oh yeah oh yeah well and i was thinking of the grime that that there is inside the ship and then there's sort of grime on the outside of the ship and that was one of the things that was wrong with the prequels of Star Wars <laughs> was they just, there's no grime on it. And it's so, if you paint something and it's shiny and you spray paint it, ooh, it looks good. It's just so fake. And it's when you put that grime on it that you feel like someone lives there and someone has touched this. And it's so hard to do 
I know that. Like I will I will hand something over and you know, oh it looks so pretty and then they grime it and it's like, oh but that's what it to makes life, it though. Absolutely. I wanna talk about what this ship is. So there's the Nostromo, which is a towing vehicle, and it is towing an oar. So my impression was it was just towing oar. So then it was like a tugboat that was towing like a ship full of oar, in which case I would imagine like a flatbed truck piled with ore, but that's totally not what it is. It's like a city, so it's an ore refinery, I come to understand. So, okay, that makes sense that they are refining the ore during the time that they are spending traveling in space, that when they come to Earth, that that ore is then refined. All right. Are there not then people working on that ore refinery, and shouldn't they call them? <laughs> and alert them, maybe? That's an interesting idea, but I, I suppose uh, Parker and Brett probably run the refinery, right? Is that what we should assume? It's all mechanized. It's um, If there's it's like automated. eight people running this just barge, the, the, the tow, tow vehicle, I mean, how many, that thing is huge. And if that breaks down, people are going to be mad. If it comes into port after three years and it didn't do anything, people are going to be mad. I think people are on that. Is this your version of the Death Star, the engineers on the Return of the Jedi Death Star kind of thing? Where there's these poor people that are never thought of or spoken of that by the end of the movie, they're just abandoned out there on the refinery if you're, what you're saying is true. Is that like overrun with aliens? Is it just completely covered with aliens? I don't know. It sounds like you're writing a EU comic book, <laughs> The Refinery. To the point that the rats actually started cannibalizing other rats because there was nothing left to eat on the ship and they had to eat each other. That's the aliens. I don't know. I, I imagine we're going to go, we're going to have to step into it's the future as our reason. And that is probably a fully automated refinery. That's my guess. If it's even working, it may not be working. There's no lights or anything, so maybe they're just towing it from one place to the next. It could be. I mean, I understood it as she said that it is, they're using the time of travel, you know, efficiently by having it refine the oil or during that time. That's what I've always understood. My understanding also. And I can't believe then that there wouldn't be workers on that. Unless they're robots. Robot workers. But then why wouldn't they, excuse me, why wouldn't they be work robots? They're just a stupid tow vehicle. They could just be robots. Mm -hmm. There's no robots on that ship as of this moment. Are you trying to ruin the movie Alien right now? Is that what you're trying to do? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, if the if the refinery is populated by robots, why didn't robots just fly the Nostromo? That's a good question. I would think there would be lights on and stuff. It looks like it's shut down and nothing's happening. Yeah, could be. I mean, there's always the question of what were they, you know, they went to a planet rich in ore, right? That's the assumption. They they mined the ore. Is this an outpost of some kind where there are people who live and work on the planet and the refinery is there and they go get it. Where did all these cigarettes come from? <laughs> they stocked up on this, on this outpost planet. That's where, that's where, and you know, I was going to ask the question, where does uh, Parker get so much bubble gum that he can chew 20 pieces of it in one minute as he does in this minute. It's where, it's where the cigarettes come from and the brewery and is, yeah, right and there's there. a lot of cat litter. Yes. <laughs> there's a vet. There must be a lot of cat litter. Well, I'm thinking maybe the refinery is, you know, it's, do they deliver a refinery to one planet and then take another refinery back to Earth? Oh, they trade it? I think that's a possibility. The people that live on the planet on this outpost, they mine the ore. I and mean, we've always assumed that the Nostromo crew are 
they do some mining? Maybe they don't. No, I never thought that. They're really? just it's a commercial towing vehicle. They I've just tow stuff. I've heard somewhere that they have mining equipment and they use it and they've done the um where did I read? I think it's in the novelization. This some of the things they take, they talk about mining as being a familiar thing that they've done before when they go into the derelict and go down into the to the egg chamber and so on. But I don't believe it. Okay, Mitch doesn't believe it. Well, I don't believe it either, because I think that this theory that they're just dragging refineries across the galaxy is, is a better theory. Hmm. Well, this is a good question. I, it's not something that occurred to me. I'm glad you brought it up. Yes. <laughs> we will entertain theories on our Facebook page. Oh, I bet you this one gets a few. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look down on this illuminated table next, and we see this array of props and they look pretty grimy as well these these things that the savant brett has invented to uh, help track down the creature right all right so now let's uh, i want to talk about this cattle prod and i yeah. want to and i just want to point out that this is the, this is brett's shining moment this is brett's baby right why does he have a cattle prod he made it he's an engineer he made it did you think it just now yeah, I don't yeah. I never yeah. assume that he made all of that just then. This is so my always, husband and I had this conversation. He's like, No, he just made it and I was like, What While they're while they're embalming and wrapping up Kane, these guys are Brett is making stuff. Oh. Yep. And Parker's sitting back chewing bubblegum, going, Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea, Brett. Cool, thanks. And I'll take all the credit and I'll sit back like I did something. But Brett is the real brains behind this engineering team. So okay. he, <laughs> So he makes this cattle prod and gives a really good explanation on, on, on you know what its use will be and the possible dangers. You know, there's not much more to say about that, really. It's it's a useful tool made by a brilliant engineer. <laughs> Except I would be thinking, I don't want to get close yeah, enough. How close are you? I would want a longer, Ooh, a ten foot need a longer pull on that cattle prod. It gets a little bit more t- uh, cumbersome, I think, the longer it gets. Maybe he, I think he made it the very, the absolute perfect length. <laughs> um, when I was doing some research about the Nostromo, uh, there was some early Ridley Scott talking about the ship and how he visualized it, and he said he wanted to see space barnacles on it, and I was like, oh, space barnacles! I've never seen space barnacles. I would love to see space barnacles. Wow. Yeah, they didn't do that. More space barnacles in the future. Somebody who's making a movie, space barnacles. I sounds like a good title for a script. Why don't you get started? Just write <laughs> space <Right>. barnacles. <laughs> and start, that's a good starting point. You go from there. I figure I should probably add since we're midway into the movie, we're almost up to the sixty-minute point. This is the emergence of Plan B in the story. This is the new agenda, the new plan. Spelled out by Dallas so that everybody knows what we're going to do. It's like at the beginning of the or middle of the Seven Samurai when they draw the map in the in the ground. Here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do, and that's going to be the thing that's going to propel the story now into the next sequence. Yeah, and they give the the beginning of this minute gives us a nice, like you mentioned in the last minute, the goldsmith. You get the tick tock, tick tock, establishing shot, reestablishing shot of the Nostromo telegraphing in no uncertain terms that we're entering a new phase of the story. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think they're it's all pieced together in this minute. Well, I wanted to say one more thing about their plan. Yeah. Their plan yeah. is to catch it in a net. A net. That's so primitive. <laughs> and shoot it at the airlock. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's too much hands-on. Well, it's interesting too if you think you know to get jump way ahead. We know that there's a a nice safe cat carrier on oh. the ship. Why wasn't that the? Is the net? I guess a net. You know, cast a wider net. I don't know. But if you could get that thing in that cat carrier, I think that'd be the ideal spot. I mean, what are you going to do with it once you get it in the net? Well, you would think Ash would be all over that. That's what Catch it in the Where cat is carrier. Ash right now, anyway, what is Ash doing? Oh. Right now? He's there. He's right there in the. Is he there in there? Okay. Yeah, he's because he's about to announce his big contribution to the plan. Micro changes in there. Yes, he's got his. Yes. And it's also just typical of the way dialogue scenes are made in this movie. Two beautiful three shots, with. Uh, B cameras on each angle, you know, for closer shot, very economically executed, really beautiful using the scope frame to fill it nicely. Um, it's, you know, again, one of those moments that shows you how much thought they put into being able to move through these dialogue scenes efficiently and in an interesting way, because there's plenty to look at around them, too. I mean, it's a really gorgeous, moody moment. The illuminated table, it particularly is really cool. The light coming off of it. I particularly like the three shot here that we get. We of Ash in the foreground. You got Ripley. Really beautiful in the shot, I gotta say. She's lovely in the shot. Holding her hair, just listening to the conversation with Parker badassedly throwing gum in his mouth. You get this like triptych of different personalities. And as soon as Ash opens his mouth and starts to talk about his little tracking device, I mean, Ripley immediately goes into skepticism mode. She's like, oh, yeah, what do you got to say, Ash? Let's hear it. Come on. What is this thing? I'm, I'm going to try to tear it down as soon as I have a chance to ask a question. It's it's great. It's a great dynamic they have in the shot. Yeah, he's coiled up to his position is really tight. He's got his arms folded, and he he looks like he's about to explode. <laughs> so I, the three of them are very different body language. I think he feels Ripley, or when she asks the question of how it works, he's just cringes at the fact that she. It's like, oh, she's questioning me again. Yeah, we and have he, to wait till the next minute to get her get to get his answer. But right. she puts the question to him, and he hates this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably it for this minute. Unless you guys have anything else. I'm working. Nope. All right. All right, let's watch him. We'll get on to the next minute, and we'll hear how nasty Ash can be. All right, come over to AlienMinute.com and check us out there, or you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Uh, and also follow us on Twitter at AlienMinutePod. We'll see you tomorrow for minute number 60.